Hi, this is Beth Sotelo here at WonderCon, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have CBS, which would be me. Uh, we are going to be doing episode number 185. So today's episodes will feature the uh, top five comics picks of the week. And the uh, majority of the episode is going to be uh, inf- uh, from the press junkets that um, I did at the uh, WonderCon uh, 2022, just a couple months back. Uh, this will be the uh, press junkets from the Woke uh, TV series uh, on Hulu. So a uh, whole bunch of information, a whole bunch of cool things, neat, neat interview stuff. So, uh, yeah, as far as, like, uh, an episode, it's a little bit different than normal. I got a giant chunk of the panel as well with the audio. I cleaned it up as best I could. The room is so echoey, and, like, the guys even mentioned that while it's going on. Um, so hopefully that doesn't sound horrible, and I'll try to do better in the future. Uh, but the, the actual interview parts itself is, is good. Um, so really cool. It's a roundtable interview, and we've got the... The first one was with Keith Knight, Marshall Todd, and Anthony King, and they're the uh, creators and the producers and the showrunner of Woke. Um, Anthony's the show, or Anthony's the showrunner. Keith's who is based off of him and uh, Marshall are two that created the series. Uh, it's got two seasons. Uh, both of them are available on uh, Hulu. It is super funny. That's uh, great. The guys that star in the show um, on the podcast are going to be uh, Lemon Roe Morris, T. Murph. And Blake Anderson, uh, Blake, you know, from Workaholics, as far as uh, Team Rope, he's a stand-up, he's done a lot of comedy, stand-up comedy stuff, and a bunch of bit parts on shows. The more you probably know him best from New Girl, so like, th- all these guys have done stuff that's awesome, so, all super funny people, really, really cool guys to talk to, so it definitely neat, I'm really stoked for you guys to get a chance to listen to that, it's awesome. Um, but yeah, so, as far as opening up, we're going to start off with a little bit of news, What's in the news? A couple kind of cool things. Uh, so they're, they're going to be doing another round of the uh, NFL draft NFL draft prospect Marvel cover mock-ups. Uh, so what it is is uh, a batch of classic covers and like super popular modern covers being redone with prospect draft uh, people on them. So if you want to see them, you can go over to ESPN. They did them last year. I mean, they're neat as a thing. It's it's a crossover, sort of, but they're not, they're not books being, they're not being done as books, they're just mock-up images, so, like, it's cool, I mean, one of them's Wolverine cover, looks awesome, so, yeah, you need something to check out, a little weird, but okay. Second bit of news I got is it's, uh, it's official now, and we talked about it a little bit a couple episodes ago, I think, Dan Adayo and Frank Miller are joining forces to launch their own independent comic book company. Uh, the new company is going to be called Frank Miller Presents, or FMP. Frank will, will be acting as the president and the editor-in-chief, uh, where Dan Dio is going to be the publisher, because that's, I mean, what the dude did for, I don't know, 10 years over DC. And he did a pretty good job, I think. So uh, he'll be acting as the uh, publisher, with Celine Thomas as the uh, chief operating officer, the CEO of the company. Uh, their plan is to produce two to four comic book series, each year, and two of the main ones are going to start off with will f- have Frank Miller returning to Sin City for a Western-style story 
that's supposed to be set in Sin City back in 1858. So, like, Western-style story for the city. So, I guess we'll see what that winds up being. And it doesn't, it didn't really say if he was going to be drawing it and writing it and the whole thing, or if it's just going to be writing or what was going on. But that's one of their first pieces they're going to be working for. Uh, one of the other ones, which might be pretty cool, depending on what you've read of Frank Miller, um, they're going to be doing a, re- a Ronin Book 2. And so this is the follow-up to the six-part miniseries that was published back in 1983 uh, by DC Comics. So when it comes to Frank Miller books, I mean, there's there's a whole handful of stuff. I mean, he's working on a lot of stuff. But when it comes to popular stuff, I mean, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Returns, super popular. Sin City, also super popular. Uh, Ronin was one of his other popular books, too. So, interesting that it's being returned to at all, especially without DC connected to it. I don't necessarily know if that's a property that was his he can bring to the table, or like how exactly that works, but... So I guess we'll see what that looks like when we get there. So, I mean, that's pretty neat. I mean, when it comes to people in place, I mean, Dan and I, as far as editor-in-chief, me and Rob, we talked to him a couple different conventions... One year, right when New 52 launched, kind of a long conversation. The two of them, man, they talked about Legion superheroes for freaking ever. But yeah, as far as the thing, uh, I talked to them out in Denver whenever they were originally getting ready to launch that idea, and they talked to a bunch of his retailers, and it was a whole... There's a whole dinner, actually. It was pretty awesome. But yeah, as far as thing, I mean, dude's always been a great dude for the pieces I've run into him with. I mean, I will give you, he abruptly stopped the conversation when he started talking about Stephanie Brown, so that was a sore subject, at least at the beginning. But as far as things, I mean, the dude... I feel like he did a pretty decent job over there at DC. I mean, yeah, maybe 5G was a crazy idea and he shouldn't have been doing that. But generally speaking, most everything else he did over there was pretty decent. So I can't think of a better person to put in the place of it, especially since he's free. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what it winds up being. I mean, Frank Miller's Presents as a company, I mean, it's a little on the nose. But, I mean, I do like FMP better than AWA as a titling. AWA's got a bunch of great books, though, but Artist Writers Artisans, I think, is a little much of a mouthful as a company name. But, I mean, that's not to say their books are bad, because their books are fantastic. Um, so many good things. Um, anyway, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that winds up being in a totally different genre of news. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis released the first batch of pictures for uh, Borderlands, Kate Blanchett's character playing Lilith. Uh, so... If you guys aren't aware, uh, Borderlands is getting a movie. It's being written by Craig Mazine, and it's being directed by Eli Roth. Uh, as far as, like, cast, like, at this point, we have Jamie Lee Curtis, and she's playing uh, Tannis. Kevin Hart is playing Roland, and Jack Black is uh, set in there as uh, Claptrap, and Kate Blanchett is going to be playing Lilith. So, yeah, the first reveal of those pictures came from Jamie Lee Curtis's, like, Twitter account. Um, or, in- no, Instagram. It was Instagram. So that's pretty cool. I mean, the shot, I mean, the images look neat. I mean, the whole idea of that is pretty crazy. I only played a little bit of Borderlands. I read the four part miniseries. It was fun. So I think that's really, really cool. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what it winds up being. I mean, Eli Roth, I mean, I like, I like the dude. Like, Cabin Fever, I thought it was great. I mean, it's a bloodbath, but it's great. Um, so when it comes to directing, I mean, the dude's, dude's good. He's not a bad actor either. I mean, um, Inglorious Bastards, he's, he's one of the, He's one of the guys in the movie. Anyway, um, so I think that's really cool. It'll be neat to see what that winds up being. So, I mean, there's a little bit of that for news. Uh, the last little bit I had, uh, so we talked about George Perez a couple weeks ago and how they were doing the uh, the Justice League versus uh, Avengers re-release. 
So that came and went, um, from what I understand, did, did it well. Uh, but DC has decided to go an extra leg, and what they're going to be doing is a is a tribute uh, piece for George's birthday. So his 68th birthday is coming up, um, and so what DC's revealed they're going to be doing is like a giant jam piece that's going to appear in comic books during the month of June. That's a two-page spread of a ton of characters, and it's being done by a ton of people. Uh, it's so it's so cool. I mean, you can find the image online, just look it up. But like, it's got the, the layout and the design is done by Dan Jurgens, which I mean, Dan's been on the show multiple times. Actually, you know what's funny? Dan Jurgens has been on the show more than any other single guest has been on the show. Like more than Sam Green, more than uh, uh, Joel Jones. He's been on the show the most, which is hilarious to me. Dude's great. Uh, but Dan's doing the, the layout and like namesakes that are adding pieces of art to it. Uh, we got Jim Lee, Walt Simonson, Alex Ross, Dave Gibbons, Tom McFarlane. Uh, it, it's, it's a, a menagerie of people and it's so cool. And so what it's set up is a bunch of characters basically all hanging out in one big room with George. So George's sitting at our table and all these characters surround him. So the way that it works, is that these different characters have been done by different people. So different artists are drawing different characters in the scene. So like, uh, Jim, or, uh, Tom McFarlane does, does, did the Trigon shot. Um, so, so he's a big, in the background, he's one of the bigger heads in the background. And like, uh, it's, it's awesome. Like, just such a cool idea and so neat that they're doing it. It's really pretty cool. So, I, I mean, I like that a lot. So, any, any of your DC books, they're saying it's going to be in everything in June. So, in theory, whatever books you buy should have this double-page spread inside the book somewhere. So, uh, very akin to the, the, the Stanley Memorial. I mean, for George, it's a tribute, not a memorial, because George is still around. And this is awesome that this is something being done for him as, like, a birthday present. It's so cool. And, like, yeah, you guys got to Google, Google the image. Just look up George Perez... Um, 68th tribute, and you'll find it, and it, it's awesome. There's a whole list of the names that they've got on, on a separate attachment to it. So if you find the right image on the internet, it'll give you a list of the people who do what. And as far as like characters, it, there's so many characters on there. But George worked on so many different things at DC, so it's like it's a really cool thing. Um, you just gotta see it. It's really cool, and the fact that all the artists are mixed together. It's not like a bunch of different panels or a bunch of different individual drawings. It's drawings. It's it's one big menagerie put together with everybody tapestry style. It's freaking awesome. So that's really 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 cool. And I mean George again, fantastic dude. And I mean if you listen to previous episodes, you I mean I know you've heard us talk about him before. And uh, as far as like a person in general, I mean I only met the guy once in life, and a real gem of a man. And I can't. I mean, you can't say enough good things about him. He did so many different things, and he's he touched so many different characters. And like as a person, I mean, I only met him one time. Uh, he did it. He did one of the Denver Comic Cons, and uh, thanks to the folks that are willing to help run the booth for me, I got to go over and talk to him. And just a sweet fella, like really cool. Somewhere in my menagerie of art, um, I have a Robin done, uh, Teen Titan style. Uh, it's, it was awesome. It was just so cool. And he was just so, for being, for being a guy who's, who should be a freaking rock star, he was just so cool and like easy to talk to. So that was awesome. 
anyway, um, I think it's really, really cool that DC's doing that. And, uh, like I said, any of the books you guys get in June should have the two page spread in there. And that's, I think that's really cool. Anyhow, uh, that's all I really got for news. I mean, there was, uh, I, I don't really know if this was this week or not, but I found out about this week. Uh, so they released the images of the Justice League as they're going to appear in the Super Pets movie. And so we have, uh, actually <laughs> Cyborg from that same time frame. So Cyborg with the little afro. Um, anyway, it, the Aquaman's not, it's not very great. I mean, it sounds, it looks super fun. I mean, you have The Rock playing the lead role of Crypto, and you have Keanu Reeves as Batman. I mean, even if it's only one or two lines, that's freaking awesome. So I think that should be really fun. I mean, it's it's cartoony, and it's definitely... It's an animation, so, I mean, that makes sense, but the style just looks really fun. So, I mean, if you haven't seen the trailers for it, uh, I guess Google it. Uh, Free Comic Day this year actually has a uh, Super Pets issue, also, from DC. Well, last little bit of news got... It's a, it's a sadder piece than this stuff for George. Um, so, Neil Adams, uh, legendary comic artist, uh, he passed away on Thursday, so just yesterday, um, for a time of us recording. His, uh, first public works were for Archie Comics back in 1960, and, uh, the first stuff he did was on their superhero line. They had a book called The Amazing no, the, the book was called The Adventures of the, uh, the Adventures of the Fly. And his first work published as a, I guess a comic artist was like four pages on that book. Cause apparently he drew like a really awesome transformation of the fly. And the guy who did the series did a terrible one. So like the samples he turned in, they're like, we're going to use this if that's okay. And he's like, uh, yeah. Then from there, they put him on the Archie, uh, funny book. The, they used the giant size of Archie funny book and he did, like gag pages and joke pages of things. So he did that for a little while, like career wise. Uh, and then he, uh, from there, I mean, he was doing his own penciling, his own writing, everything. So like the joke pages, he did all that stuff. Uh, eventually he left Archie from doing the joke book magazine. And then, uh, from there he moved to the commercial industry. Like apparently the party wasn't great. So whatever was happening there wasn't going well, but. As a thing, he went into the commercial industry, he worked for a company that did, like, comic-style ads, so, like, Goodyear and, um, for different products, so they were, you know, like, people drawing, like, comics, you know, to sell ads, to sell things. Uh, so he did that for a couple years, and then, uh, eventually moved into doing a newspaper strip for a character called Bing Casey, and it was a daily strip, so he did it every day, and Bing Casey was a TV series that, on uh, that, was about a doctor, so like a, a drama, medical drama. This was the comic book adaption of that, and so it got huge circulation, and like, from what they've said about it and what I can find about it, uh, the first time his signature appeared on it was in 1962, the November, um, 26th issue. Eventually the series got a color section too, so they did a Sunday run as well. So they got printed a lot, but I mean, daily strips are not, I mean, it's, it's a single set of, you know, boxes. I mean, if you've ever seen a comic strip, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but as far as the thing, he did that, uh, yeah, for, for a while too. Uh, then eventually moved on to DC and Marvel. He landed on Dead Man. He did that for a while. And then for Marvel Comics, he moved into the X-Men, the Avengers, then back to DC for Batman. And like, that was where he really kind of hit his stride. 
um, or is his most, I don't know, I guess his most influential batch of stuff he did. Like, the guy did all kinds, it's so crazy. Like, his time in comics, I mean, his, he died at 80, 80 years old. And his career in comics, like, spanned decades. But, I mean, him and Denny O'Neill, they're the guys that created Rassel Ghoul, Talia, Man Bat. The same two dudes created Jon Stewart, who was one of the first African-American superheroes. They're the same two that did the Green Lantern, Green Arrow series that was popular and dealt with all kinds of things that were, like, cutting-edge things at the time. I mean, the whole speedy heroin addiction, that all came from the two of them. Stuff dealing with population, stuff dealing with pollution, racism, like, all things that they tackled in that series of books, which, I mean, as a thing, where they were in the world and what they were doing was so, like, and I don't know, so very relevant or poignant, I guess. And as as a thing, it's stuff that shaped the way comic books are now. Um, he's all, it's crazy because he started a company as well and he helped a bunch of dudes get into the industry. It's like Frank Miller. He, he got Frank Miller in the industry. It's, it's wild, like how many people this dude is connected to as things. And like that, and Frank Miller went on to reshape Batman too, and uh, so did him and Denny O'Neill. Like Batman, after the Adam West TV series, the campiness was in the comic books too, and the two of them changed that in the books again, and like turns the Joker from a comical character into the homicidal maniac we love and know today. So like reshaping things, they did a lot. It's so crazy, like how many things today are shaped by what the two of them were doing, and like Denny O'Neill is fantastic too. I'm not trying to take away from him, but like. When it came to style of art, the way Neil drew Batman was so realistic that it reshaped the way the books are handled. And it's freaking amazing. It's really, really awesome. And stuff that he did for, not just stuff inside, like, the books, but he was a huge champion for artists. And, like, he went to bat against both DC and Marvel over artist rights and page return. Because of him... And fighting, he actually sued both, yeah, he sued the companies to get rights on pages back to artists. So before that, art pages would be recycled, junked, shredded, whatever. And because of this stuff, him and his, uh, so him and Stan Lee started a company and the, the two of them used that company to, uh, fight for rights of, uh, artists and writers. Eventually they came part ways because what Stan wanted to be and what he wanted to be were two different things. But, uh, in the process of all that, the lawsuit, one rights for people from Marvel to get their work returned to them. So those pages weren't just junked or recycled or whatever, which is a huge thing. And at one point, whenever Jim Shooter was running uh, Marvel, they were, they were changing the laws as far as like what you own property right-wise. And during that time, there was a, a circulation sent out to all the artists that were freelancers. And it basically... If you signed it to continue to work for Marvel as a freelancer, it took any rights away from anything you created for them ever. And Marvel's always owned everything they printed. But as a thing like Neil to fight that, took that same thing and then wrote on top of it, if you sign this, you're signing away your soul, and sent it to a lot of artists and writers that had gotten the original notice. Now granted, Marvel to fight it, they limited freelance art after that, but as far as a thing, like the dude fought for 
the rights of artists and like their place in the world so much. And like the way things are shaped now, so many things that the dude did were to help establish what the laws and what the rules are now as far as like how artists are treated in the industry. And yeah, it's not perfect everywhere. It never really was and never will be. But because of stuff he did, Jack Kirby got a lot of his pages returned. And he also went to bat for the Seussers and the Seagulls, Joe and, uh, oh gosh, Joe and, well, I don't remember the other guy's name. It doesn't matter. Both of them were owed money by DC and he went to bat for them to get them finally paid, like compensated for the money that just hadn't been paid in years. So like the dude was a, He's a baller with that kind of stuff. I mean, as far as an influential person in the in the industry, like Neil Adams did a lot of stuff that helped a lot of people. And I mean, in life, I only I only met I met the guy a couple of times. Like we did conventions together, in San Diego, um, Denver, multiple times, Colorado Springs, a couple of times. The only thing that, other than just high and buys and how you doings, this is funny. The only thing that me and me and him ever did together was steal a table for his booth from another from another booth. Um, in Denver one year, he was uh in the process of trying to appropriate a table, and uh, <laughs> I happened to be going down the same aisle way back to our booth, and I was like, "You want some help with that?" And he's like, "I'm still on this table." I said, "That's awesome. Let's do it." And so we carried the table way farther than we probably should have uh, to his booth and set it up. I have no idea who it is we stole it from, but I'm sure they got it reappropriated by the facility or whatever. But anyway, as a thing, the dude was so influential and did so much stuff that it's, it's, it's unfortunate. And I, I know that for some people he was, he was a bear. He really was. And if you land on the wrong side of him or you caught him at the wrong day, he was not a nice dude like that. So it, there are plenty of horror stories from Neil. Uh, but, I mean, the guy was in the industry for over 70 freaking years. And, like, everybody can have a bad day. So, I can only tell you guys about my time with him. And I know my buddy Curtis, who's from the show, and Mike from the show, both had different different experiences than what I had. And, uh like I said, the man could be a bear. But, as far as the thing, his his contribution to the industry is just so huge. And I mean, 80 years is a good long life, so I mean, that is that's that is what it is. But um, it's it's unfortunate. Um, time in the world, that all happens to everyone, and eventually George will be gone too, and everyone, you know, as a thing. But yeah, I don't know. That's my tribute to him, I guess. I don't know. As far as things, if you guys didn't know, now you know. Uh, but yeah, Neil Adams passed away this last week, and... uh it's unfortunate because the man was still doing covers. He was scheduled, he was still doing conventions as a regular thing. Like he's scheduled on three or four conventions this year. So, dude did, did it till the end. Uh, he survived by wife and son. Uh, his son's an artist too. Cool guy. Um, as far as people in the world, I got a buddy named Buzz, which we've talked about on the show before, depending on how far back you go with the show. Uh, Buzz is an artist also, and Buzz got into the industry at 18 years old as a kid that was bringing over, um, from Hong Kong and just wound up stumbling into comic book shows and started to start scribbling and one day he took a pack of scribbles and he asked Neil Adams to look at him and Neil said, you want a job? And at 18 years old he hired him to work for his company and ran forward and the dude worked for Hera, he did a bunch of Amprella books, um, he's also an awesome dude, 
Um, one of the few people credited in the uh, credit sections of Kingdom Come because he delivered a sample art and posed for some of the positions for, for Alex Ross. Buzz, not Neil. Uh, but yeah, as a thing, a, a huge perpetuator for artists and artist rights. Um, so super, super cool dude. Even if you landed on the wrong side and he was a jerk, he still did some amazing things that you, without the world would be shaped a lot different for artists and comics in general. Um, so that's what I got about that. Uh, you know, rest in peace, Neil. Thanks for all the stuff you gave us. I mean, I can't think of any other covers with a dude shooting horse that I think are the best covers ever. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, that's basically all I really had for news. So we're going to do the top five comics picks of the week. This is for, uh, June 27th, uh, 2022. So first pick for the week, we'll put a drum roll in there, uh, TMNT Last Ronin number five. So this is the end of the TMNT Last Ronin series. Um, there has been quite a few delays getting to it, but it makes a lot of sense once you get to the book. Um, it is fantastic. Uh, it's Kevin Eastman writing it, uh, Peter, Peter Lazard, Lazard writing it, so two originals, along with Tom Waltz. Um, art inside is Issa and uh, Isaac uh, Escorza. Ben Bishop and, uh, of course, Kevin Eastman. Uh, it's a, it's a really cool ending. It's a, a really big book. And as far as like, as far as stories, I can understand why it, why it took so long to put out. And I'm not necessarily this because of the art or because of the story being, it's, it's, I think more a matter of it, the way it, way it ends is, is kind of a, it's a finale. And I can understand if, it was only the guys waiting to put it in the world because once it's out there, it's out there. So, it is really, really cool. If you guys are Team Adventure Turtles fans at all, or TMNT fans, however you want to say it, it is definitely worth a read. And that final issue, is it's it's fantastic. So, that's why it's on the list. Uh, second on the list this week, we have Amazing Spider-Man number 1, 2022, starting a uh, brand new series. It's Seb Wells writing it. Awesome writer. Uh, it's a return of John Romita Jr. to Spider-Man, so depending on how you feel about J.R.J.R., um, if you like classic styling, then it fits perfect. I mean, he's drawn so much Spider-Man. It, it, depending on how much you've read, I mean, I love Pat Gleason. I do, and I, I, I love the guys who've been working on the previous series. They're all fantastic. When it comes to John Romita Jr., I love his Spider-Man. His Wolverine, his Thor, not such a fan. Superman, yeah, it's rough too for me. But as a thing... His Batman, though, I like. I like his Batman. It's really cool to have him return the book. It's a huge issue. A lot of different covers, and a few, a few of them are just beautiful. The Pat Gleason cover is amazing. The Art Germ cover is also just gorgeous. My gosh. Uh, but as far as an issue, a really cool start. Interesting stuff going on. Uh, Spider-Man dealing with a bunch of gangsters, and The Rose, and Kingpin, and Tombstone, and it, it's a cool issue one. I will give you the end of it. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. It's crazy. Awesome. So check that one out if you're Spider-Man fans, you've, you missed any of the previous series, or you just want to try to get on something. I mean, it's number one, so it makes it easy, but uh, it starts in a place is estranged from where the other series ended. Anyway, brand new start place, I say check it out, it's awesome. 
Third on our list this week, we have Justice League number 75. If you folks don't know Justice League, this is the end of this particular run. It's in the end of this Justice League series. Uh, it's being written by Joshua Williamson, who's fantastic. Uh, Art Inside is by Rafa Sandoval. This is the first setup book leading to this big event coming for DC called Dark Crisis. So this is basically the book that kicks it off, really. And if you haven't seen it on the internet already, this is going to be a major spoiler, so, I mean, I don't know how to stop that, really. But yeah, it, it goes badly for the Justice League at the end, and sets a new tone for things. We will see whether it sticks. Like, it's one of those things that dark all crises come with crazy uh, implications, so... Uh, but as a thing... It's the startup for it. There will also be a free comic day book um, for Dark Crisis, a Dark Crisis Zero. That's uh, part of DC's offering this year if you are in an area that actually does free comic day or it still has free comic day. Um, so it should be pretty cool uh, as a thing that issue 75, there's so much stuff that happens in it, it's crazy. Uh, multiple covers also. Uh, the main A cover has a Mylar cover to it, which is really cool. Excellent issue, definitely worth a read. Next on our list will be Deathstroke Inc. number 8. Uh, this is also written by Joshua Williamson. The guy is just so busy over there. He's writing Batman. It's, yeah, it's awesome. Art is by Pablo Pantalina. And this is, a it's a, it's another chapter in the Shadow War storyline, which has been a crossover between, well, Shadow War Alpha was the first book. And then the second book is Batman. Uh, third book of Robin, fourth book, Deathstroke Inc. And it's going to repeat. Uh, so it's a giant crossover. They're not tie-ins. They're actual chapters. So if you're trying to read it, uh, you have to read all three books. Because all three books are pieces of the same story. They're not, they're not tie-in books, so they're, they're actual chapter books. Uh, so far it's been awesome. A lot of stuff going on with, uh, Deathstroke, League of Shadows, and this particular issue has to explain to Batman why he killed Rasha Ghoul. Which is also freaking crazy. So, uh, awesome. Um, last on my list for uh, this week, we have, uh, the book called We Have Demons. Uh, we're talking about number two this week. This guy is by Scott Snyder and by Greg Capullo. So you should know them from Batman New 52 or a menagerie of other things they've done. Uh, both fantastic. Uh, this is the second part of a three part miniseries. Uh, all of them are bigger books. So they're, they're not, it's not short. Uh, but yeah, this particular issue we join, um, our two characters as they, uh, try to decide the value of a man and what makes a, makes a person worth saving and, uh, deal with following through with, uh, Lem's father's mission and, uh, what he started and how she's trying to finish it. So interesting stuff that all makes sense if you read number one, I guess. If you didn't read number one, you should go back and read number one. It has like four covers. It's awesome. Art's fantastic. If you like Spawn from any time, or uh, New 52 Batman from everything but like three issues, then the art will appeal to you. And uh, as far as the story, it's a it's a pretty good story. I mean, it's don't help in hell and uh, the belief you have in the middle of it. It's great. Um, anyway, as far as series as that guy comes out from Dark Horse, like I said, it's a three part mini series. Those are the offerings I have for you this week. I know this style episode is a little different than normal, but I mean, we got a lot of stuff from WonderCon, so I want to make sure we get some of that stuff out to you guys so you can enjoy it. First bit we'll play, play for you. We're going to save the panel to the end, because it sounds, it sounds the roughest. Um, 
only because again, like the, the recorder's not styled to record that kind of room or that size of room. But, uh, we'll go and start with the, uh, first batch of roundtable interviews. This is with, uh, Keith Knight, uh, who is the, uh, he's the co-creator of the show Woke, uh, which is based off his life. Um, awesome dude, uh, great cartoonist, funny dude, real, real down to earth, real cool. And Marshall Todd, who is the, uh, co-creator. And then Anthony King, who I, I mentioned earlier, he's the new showrunner for season two. Uh, so it's with the three of them talking about the show. And it's me and a menagerie of other, uh, podcast YouTubers. So, uh, depending on what you listen to, what you follow in the world, you may have encountered these, uh, questions from another, uh, another source. Hopefully you enjoy it here. I mean, again, the show is fantastic. It's so funny. I mean, I didn't, I totally didn't expect to love it the way I do. And, uh, I mean, it helps that all these guys were just so great and gracious people. So, like, that put goes a long way regardless, but the show is really funny. So, anyway, we're going to run that for you, so enjoy it here, and uh, I'll be back with you in just a second. Like speed dating. Exactly. Right. I'm, I'm digging all this in. Look at all the different equipment. I got done today. Good man. Good. 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 Available and it's coming. Pandemic is a lot of things yeah. that didn't really come down. So, like to get it down, just congratulations to that. Um, I'll start with a soft question. What was the re- reception from the audience um, here live at WonderCon, which is amazing, back in person? Yeah. What was the re- reception to seeing the episode? Uh, I it was great. Uh, this is the first time for all of us for it to ever happen because yeah. it was in the pandemic when season one dropped. So, I, I just. I know I was supposed to be backstage, but I ran out and sat in the audience, and I was getting closer and closer to the. There was this one group that was, you know, the perfect test audience because they were laughing, they were very vocal, and everything, and it was just great just to hear different jokes hitting, and yeah. and, and you, when you're in the writers' room, you have these memories of all of how they were developed and, yeah. and the things, and and so it's just really nice to hear that, and, and yeah. I'm I'm just so excited about that, um, and. We're doing another screening uh, up in San Francisco tomorrow, and that's, I mean, it's it's already, people are texting me going, can you come in? Very excited by that, so. All right, all right. Well, regarding the, the jokes, to piggyback off that, um, so, I'm, I'm a big fan of that comedy is all fair play, but since the, the, the show is kind of woke, and there's a lot of activism going, a lot of issues covered, um, are, there, are there jokes that got left on the cutting room, or all the jokes are in, or talk me about that? I don't call. I don't call anybody telling us no. Okay. I don't call anybody yeah. going that. That's that's out of bounds. Yeah. But then again, I don't think we're like that anyway. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, jokes die in the room because <laughs> yeah, they're not yeah, yeah. they're not hitting, or yeah. like you know. Uh, but it's it's not like we put anything in there, and they're like, nah, you gotta get that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so what goes into picking what issues to attack? Because obviously we have a plethora of issues. So in the writing room, like what? How do you guys brainstorm on like we need to address this one? This is important. This issue. I think that's the struggle that Keith has in season two. In that my woke is not your woke. I care about these ducks. You care about the tree. But I mean, how do we? How do you process that? Right? Woke is not one thing. It's multiple things. 
and I think Keith finds that out this season. And and so as far as I don't think we're ever going to talk about an issue, like and sort of you know discuss that and give you ways on how to fix this issue. It's just the explanation of woke itself in season two, where we've moved from 2020 to now 2022. Woke has become commodified. It's become big business. So how do you navigate that world? So and we uh, had a. Uh, they had a bunch of ideas for season two before I got on board, and then we had a really incredible writers' room who all had uh, is very diverse, but also just diverse points of view. And so we had really fun, long discussions in the writers' room about a lot of these issues. And when we would find disagreement with people, we were like, "Oh, that's what we want to put in yeah. the show uh, is these, these different points of view." Instead of anything that felt too simple, we kind of stayed away from. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's important for us. You know, we have all these different characters, but it's important for us to um, to show that each character has a legitimate point of view. You know, there isn't, there's nobody that is just completely absurd. Like, there was an argument in a case to be made, and that was, it started out really from the beginning with Keith and Clovis, which is, like, Clovis is the exact opposite of Keith, but, like, the points he makes, he, he, he makes yeah, yeah. some valid points, yeah. and so... That was important for us to sort of keep that going throughout with, with all the different characters. It's all about us learning together and growing as people in general, right? Yeah. That is. That's it. Here's my question. So how did, other than being super surreal for you, how did you guys, how did this become a thing? I mean, this is season two, but how did this become a thing? The show became a Yes. How did it become a thing? I, you know, I, I have my beliefs that, that, uh, we were one of the last productions that that finished before COVID hit, and uh, and I just think that when the pe- it was a perfect storm of like you know George Floyd and uh, and COVID and even the like a lot of people who were turned off by the name woke like at some point they had to it was the only thing they could watch. <laughs> no, but it's just like I there were so many people who wrote like. Oh my God! Why didn't somebody tell me what was funny? Like, like it, it, these reactions. Like, hey, I just—I know I'm late to the party, but like, this is funny, and and so I still see that all the time, and so I love that. I love the idea of people giving the show a try finally and being like, oh wow. So, uh, my entertainment lawyer said it the best. He said, "This is going to be a slow burn." He said, you know, he's a white dude. He's like, listen, white people are going to be turned off by it. <laughs> he said, like, somebody's going to tell them, you should check this out. You should check it out. And he said, it's going to build, and it's going to build, and it's going to build. And and I, I will say another thing, like, uh, you know, just from visits from the sets, from the executives, um, they really love the show because they said like it's about something you know and there's a lot of shows out there that aren't about anything and uh, so it's it's really nice to have this opportunity and this this privilege to do this and I I, I honestly believe and uh, you know I'm a bit biased but <laughs> down on that floor there's a thousand shows down there that Hollywood can make that would would be not as good as ours, but now, no, but uh, no, but there's opportunity in this industry to to develop so much more stuff, so much more yeah. stuff. Sounds good. Thank you. Who yeah. would you say that your target audience would be for the show? 
uh, me. Uh, <laughs> see, here's the thing. Like, and, and I say this all the time. You have to make stuff that, that you yeah. watch. Yeah. Yeah. That I make comics that I would read. And I'm not so... I don't think I'm so unique that I don't fit like... Uh, there's a ton of people who think the way that I do, and that you can't anticipate what people are going to like. You can't you can't answer to Twitter. You can't yeah. go, oh, you know, this is what they say on Twitter, so we have to answer that. You have to make something that you like, and then then it, that's the thing. When we finished the first season, I was like, you know what? When we finished the pilot, I was like, you know what? It's it's not in our hands. We we did our best, and and so when you get it, like if if it didn't go, I'd like I'm con I, you know not content, but like I am at peace. There's nothing that I was like, oh, I should maybe we should pull this punch, maybe you know like whatever. It's just like you go for it, and you have to go full throttle. And I'll take that all the way back to even pitching the show. Like when you go into a network, I swear they try to intimidate you with all their big successful posters, all the shows, <laughs> and you walk in and they make you feel smaller when you go in. You're like, oh man, like, and it's just you go in there and you you have to go in with the mentality like they need me, yeah. like they they don't have what I can do, and and so you go in there and, and that's the way you gotta you gotta you gotta behave. And, you know, it, it, it can be problematic if it goes to your head. And you're just like, ah, but, but you have to have that mentality when you pitch the show. And I think you have to, you can't, you, you listen to positive outside voices, influences, you know, like, and I think, but there's so much negativity out there. You can't waste your time just listening to that, you know? It's terrible. To kind of play for that, um, the word woke obviously has a lot of reaction to it from a lot of different people. So how do you guys, like, um, stay focused on what it really means, the authenticity of woke, without getting caught up in the commerciality and in, like, the negative reactions? What I mean, for me, I just... You know, I, I I know that there's people out there that will just dismiss it. There's people whose job it is to look up woke, anything that is woke on the internet. Go in there and say, oh, you know, f this woke. Stuff. <laughs> you know, like that's their job. That's their job. That's what they do. And again, like that's going to exist. That's always going to exist. Woke is the new politically correct. Oh, we have to be woke. You know, it's you can see it's being verified. It's being uh, just. And listen, I, you can't waste your time. You know, crying tears over that. It's just like you go out there and you create and you hype the show and hopefully, you know, people will see it. And and, and we also try to address that in the show. I mean, we have you know we have a character who says gets he's an activist and says gets mad and says don't call me woke. Uh, so it's you know we we try to really explore that word has become so loaded uh, and is now used by people mostly who are using it to disparage other people. Yeah. <laughs> and that was not the case when the show first when you first made season one. So it's changing quickly. Yeah, but it's it it's what there's nothing that we can do about it. All we can do is lean into it and have fun with it. You know, I have I have 
Ron DeSantis with a sign that says stop the stop woke act. <laughs> I'm ready to drop that <laughs> for season two. Say, it's ready to go. Here we go. I, I know we're on time, but I just feel like this is a super important question because this show has a vast amount of responsibilities, but as I look across the table, it's black men with these responsibilities. I need to know how do you create the balance and stability in your life carrying such a heavy purpose. Joke. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, uh, family. Um, uh, I think COVID, that lockdown, taught us that mental health was important uh, for us all. Uh, that you have to sort of be careful with yourself and be kind to yourself. Uh, and, and like you said before, we, we're not curing cancer. It's a TV show. I'm not going to die over a TV show. You know what I mean? Um, so just knowing that gives you that, that sort of balance you're looking for. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I live in just outside of Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And I take... Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I, I was calling my wife saying, now's the time to go shopping. No one's, no one's at the... Yeah. But um, I take meetings sitting out with my chickens. And just like... You know, just no way... Like... You know, That's right, yeah. if I was in LA, who knows? Maybe I would be on in my pool. <laughs> Maybe I'll go to uh, what's the the Malibu uh, sushi place? You know, neighborhood. But um, it's just like I I know where I know how this all started. It started from humble scribblings. <laughs> you know, a pen and a piece of paper. And um, and it's something I always do, and I, it, I'm just thankful that it just it's it's got, gotten to this point. And I, you know, I don't I don't see it as a heavy burden. I see it as as a heavy. I see it as just we have the opportunity to make have fun and create something with a lot of toys. There's nothing better than sitting there going, oh, man. Why don't we do, you know, come up with an idea and then, like, in a few days, like, they create it with, like, you know, the pops people create it and, and, and the writers write it and, you know, then suddenly it's there. I'm just like, wow, this is great, you know? I can invite my mother during the, I was stressed out about something writing wise. So my mom, she says, wait, so people pay you to make shit up? And then I'm like, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all good. I'm in there. I'm in there. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. All right. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. And I just want to thank uh, Keith, um, Marshall, and Anthony all for taking time to come and hang out and talk to all of us different podcasts and YouTube shows and everything else uh, about about Woke and just putting the time in to hang out and chit-chat with all of us. It was freaking great. Um, like I said, if you haven't got a chance to watch the show, you really should. Like, it's fantastic. Uh, this second chunk, this is also from the, uh, this is from the same set of press junkets at, at WonderCon 2021, going over the uh, Woke TV show. Again, it's fine. You can find it on Hulu. Season one and two are both out and available. Um, like I said before, you really gotta check it out. I mean, I can't say it enough. It's fantastic. So funny and just re- really neat show. Um, so this second chunk, this is, uh, featuring, uh, Lamorne Morris, uh, who is the, uh, 
main star of the show. He plays Keith for the TV series. Keith and Keith, same person, TV versus real life. Um, so he plays the main character. Uh, he's also an executive producer on the show uh, during season two. Uh, we also have uh, T. Murph, who's fantastic. And uh, Blake Anderson, also fantastic. Both both those guys are so... All three of them are just so funny. And really, really cool guys. Uh, so we'll play that second chunk for you. I'll be back again in just a minute. Remember to get and walk out the room when it comes back out. Just so we can get a in the Hulu. So what do you guys most like? Your personal selves, what's most like with you and your characters? Like, what do you share in common with them? Uh, well, for me, it's the sneaker, um, the sneaker love. Right. I have a ridiculous amount of sneakers at home that I just <laughs> love to showcase, and they wrote to me about them because I made them in raffles for me at the same time. So, yeah. <laughs> She's like, guys, at 3 o'clock, I'm going to need you to put your emails in. <laughs> right, and make sure you keep hitting refresh. All right, get your credit card information ready. I will pay you back. <laughs> For me, my my the reason I did this show in the first place is because Keith himself reminded me a lot of me. Where politically, I would just kind of keep my head down, and I just wanted to act. I just wanted to be an artist. I didn't really know the first thing about politics, I, or what was going on, or even around me. So I would just kind of keep my head down and just go about my business until everyday life would continue to slap you in the face, and then at some point you have to go, "All right, man, enough." And uh, so that really made me connect with the show. Awesome. Yeah, I think uh, just the recreational drug use is what drew me to the character. Story of my life. Also, the not, uh, the not washing of the legs. Yeah, uh, that's that not, let's yeah, not leave that out. There's a lot of me in Duncan. Yeah, a lot. Is it true you broke your back once jumping off of something? That is true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he is Gunther for real. Yeah, he jumped off of a roof. Uh, <laughs> season three will cover that. <laughs> You hear that, Disney? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, for your point, I think we all agree that sneaker apps is the devil, right? Yeah. We got them on the yeah. team. But talking about shoes really quick, okay. uh, in a particular part of the season, what would you all do if really the government was using 5G to emit signals through the shoes? Mm. Hmm. Uh, I'm not fully convinced they're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, I know Nike used to have this chip you could put in the shoe once and it would track how many steps you walked and you put it. I was like, man, that's invasive. But I had them and I love them. <laughs> I got my watch that tells, you know. Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, we have it everywhere else. We have it in our homes. We have it, it means literally everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so I wouldn't be shocked by it. But. Um, I'm just one man. I keep trying to mobilize T Murph over here to help me out and take down the system. T Mobile. But until then, I'm rocking those shoes, especially. Let me tell you what. I can't get that righteous depending on what she was in. Yeah. If it's in a pair of my off whites and my Travis's, you're not tearing up my damn shoes. I can tell you that right now. It's just going to be in there. Sorry, I got a hell of a signal. I gotta ask um, a slightly serious question because I love season two. I wanna ask because uh, we have a lot of issues that we want to tackle, you know, in our society. So that episode one really, really hit me. Mm. So what, what is your advice to other people that want to be activists? Like, how do you narrow down your focus? So what do you gotta, you know, prioritize? Talk a little bit about that. It's about it's it's 
people sometimes think when you're an activist, you have to take on a, a grand scale of, 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 of responsibility. They think everything is a home run. Everything is knocking it out of the park and doing one big thing. You know, it's, it's, it's about getting on base. It's about keeping the conversation going, keeping people active and activated and wanting to get things done. You can be a soldier. You don't have to be in charge of the, of the platoon. You can just be one person to get something done. If there's something I don't know about, or again, if we're talking about something like land acknowledgement, if I don't know, if I don't know anything about it, I'm sure there is someone who does. But if I know uh, what's going on in my neighborhood, let's say I know about what's going on on the south side, I could I could bring it to somebody who knows what's going on on the west side. So then we can mobilize together and we can come up with some sort of strategy. You don't you don't have to do it all by yourself. And there is no there is no everything is an opportunity to get to educate yourself. And there's no there's no race. You just got to keep. Keep doing it. Keep building it, and keep growing. You know, what I mean, every small little thing that you can do matters, and it, and it, it definitely helps. Thank you for that. Uh, my question is, what are you guys' personal like activists? What are your things that, in your community, you guys want to work on individually? Hmm. That's a really good question. I mean, especially in you know today's day and age, there's so much stuff that's coming at us all the time. You know. Even with you know the war in Ukraine and just personal politics in America, it, you know, like like Lamar was saying, it's like it can it can almost feel overwhelming. But like I do think the most important part is to you know keep that open mind and educate yourself and listen. That's just like the, the baseline of it all. Don't close yourself off to everything just because you're feeling constantly bombarded. That could wear you down. But it's so important to just keep that open mind and look open minded. Um, for me, I like to speak to the youth in, in like the, the city of Chicago, just talking about uh, the entertainment industry and things of that sort. Because there's a lot of people that want to do this but don't understand what it takes or or don't have the the leadership to be able to actually do it. So I, a lot of times I'll just sit with them and we'll we'll talk about what's necessary and what's needed and kind of what you don't need. Because there's a lot of people that are around and we'll try to take advantage of you. Um, you know, fake managers, fake agents, you know, a lot of things of that sort. So, yeah, I just like to, to educate them on, on, on what's real and what's not. Uh, for me, uh, I do a lot of work um, with an organization called I Am. It's a charitable organization based out in Chicago, uh, south side of Chicago. Um, but the main objective is to provide medical assistance for folks in underserved countries. So we got Haiti, Belize, Jamaica. Africa, um, a lot of folks don't have access to, to clean water, so I do a lot of work with uh, First Project or different or, uh, water organizations to just get people basic drinking uh, needs, basic you know hygienic needs. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and even in, in LA, there was something we've done a couple of times now. I'm not, sure, I'm not the pandemic slowed us down a little bit, but there's something called socks and sandwiches that uh, a group of friends and I started literally in my, my house we just uh, would get basic needs for, for the homeless folks out in, in, in LA and just go pass out water, socks, sandwiches, basic hygienic needs um, and just try to move that way. It's a really small, really small thing but uh, people, people seem to get excited about it. So. Yeah, and I, I have another question. So, um, after seeing the first episode, and I know you guys are doing activism, are you guys going to be tackling mental health? Because, like, you know, you, you guys are saying overwhelmed and having those feelings. Would that show up in season two or in season three, for that matter? Uh, I actually, I, I do believe there was a conversation about it. My character goes through a, a, bit, a form of PTSD in the first season, and obviously, him seeking therapy, it. it 
calms the the inanimate objects around him in the second season. Um, there were talks, I'm not sure how far they went, about him relapsing in a way, where he kind of, you know, loses his shit again and um, is triggered by something. Um, and, and the conversation will go towards uh, in, in that direction. Even when you deal with the unhoused folks, a lot of it, um, you know, when you, when you have conversations with them, a lot of them do uh, suffer from mental illness. Mm -hmm. And... Um, that's one of the main reasons they're in the position that they're in right now. Um, so that would be great to see it, you know, to see us tackle something like that. What makes this show so much different than other shows you guys have worked on? I mean, well done things. What makes this show special, different from other shows? Um, they took the best characters from those other shows and then they put them It's <laughs> <laughs> an all-star game, this, for me, is the first show that I got an opportunity to really, like, put a, a, a nice portion of myself into the character. Um, so, you know, the writing team is, is, is awesome. And they also like to ask questions to find out, you know, what's comfortable for us. And, you know, the best thing as far as what, what, it'll be, what, it, what it will do for the character as far, you know, as far as talking to us and getting our input. So I, I think that's the best thing for me, being able to put a portion of myself into the character and, uh, you know, bring Clovis to life. Well, sure you guys all being so funny. I mean, that definitely helps, too. Except for this guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, fuck you, teamers. We are enemies. That's the takeaway. He will be recast. Somebody's going to put their self into Clovis. All right, say less. So in this season, in a particular episode, there was an episode that focused on white guilt. I don't want to know what was the behind the scenes of writer's room uh, conversation to putting that episode together. I can't, you know, it's interesting. That's more of a, I guess, the writer's um, question. However, I do know that this show, this show is, is a mirror. It's, just, it's literally just a mirror. So whatever's happening, we talk about it. So there are a lot of... Um, you know, a lot of performative things, folks, were, you know, I'm, I'm an ally and things like that, right. and, you know, or some, and some people genuinely did feel bad. Some people, I mean, millions of people were, who were, who did have this extreme case of guilt, <laughs> you know, and we want to talk about it. We want to talk about it because I, I know for me as a, as a, I mean, the amount of times Blake kept coming up to me and going, what can I do? <laughs> yeah, I just wash his feet on the side. Whatever I can do. Yeah, Blake, Blake, stop, I don't even enjoy this, but you missed my toe. Get Whatever I can do. No, it's just a mirror. That's why we, you know, when you watch the season, we, we, we address a lot of different things, and, and it, it, it comes from different sides of the coin. Um, and uh, it, it's just a mirror. It's just a mirror. You, everybody could find themselves somewhere in this, in this season. <laughs> All right. Hopefully y'all enjoyed that. I mean, I had a super fun time at WonderCon, and I all of the press stuff that we got to do and the press junkets were great. Uh, I want to thank WonderCon, of course, for letting us come out and having us out to the show. It's awesome. Again, I want to thank the boys for taking time. The same thing. I mean, all these guys are just so awesome to hang out and talk. Uh, multiple groups of us. Um, so, like, yeah, it was great. Uh, super fun. And, like, all, all, of, all of the guys were really great. Yeah, so I want to thank WonderCon again for letting us come out too. I mean, that was really great having us out there as a, as a show. Fantastic. 
so so cool. Uh, again, if you like, like I said multiple times, uh, if you haven't even know, even heard anything about the show at all, I mean, it's a show based on Keith Knight's life and situations in, that he stumbled into and been turned into a reality comedy. So things are based on real life. I mean, like like you guys heard the boys talking about, like some of the stuff they were making up turn out to be real things without it being intentionally real things, which is hilarious. And it really is a funny show. Pretty well put together. I mean, I enjoy it. It's great. So yeah, one more chunk of uh, of audio. This is from the Woke panel at the uh, WonderCon 2022. Um, I apologize again because the audio is not the best. Uh, it's it's questionable. Um, but yeah, so we'll run that for you, and then I'll be back, and we'll wrap up. to be here to moderate this wonderful panel for this awesome show, a uh, Hulu show that's going to be premiering. All the, all the episodes, sorry, are going to drop on April 8th, so make sure you check them out this coming Friday. Um, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our panelists, starting with our illustrious producers, co-creators and executive producers Keith Knight and Marshall Todd. Oh, so season 2, 2.0 upgrades, the writer's room is more diverse than before. Can you talk about why that was? 
congrats, Lamar, on the producer credit. What's it been like in that new role? And, like, what does that mean? I call the shots. These <laughs> <laughs> guys, they look up to me, they respect me. I know they do. Um, don't do shit. No, <laughs> no it, uh, it, it, you know, it's just when you're, when you're, I have to play yeah. you know what I mean? And, yeah. um, and, and, and you have opinions, you have, you have thoughts as well, and you have um, ideas. And I've been in the business for a long time, and I, I think it's just, it's more so an ideas thing, you know? We, we talk a lot on set, there's a lot of rewrites that happen on the day, you know? Um, and it's an all hands on deck situation. Um, and honestly, just um, the, the new head is, is something I've always, I've always been kind of doing it. just talking to the other actors about what's going on and what they might need and especially Team Earth. Um, mostly his needs is all pomade of some sort. Okay. Very delicious beard. Okay. Very, very I sometimes take scissors and like cut the edges off. Just I'll break a little bit of my sandwich. <laughs> when I say a delicious beard, I mean that literally. Now uh, um, you know, it's just, you know, you have to leave the show, you have to take on a lot. So, um, I think that's, that's pretty much it. It doesn't need anything other than that. Cool. But I'm the boss. bitches. I don't want to give a spoiler away, but I gotta ask uh, Blake about Gunther's uh, shower discoveries and his washing his white legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, on like that scene, basically Gunther has this whole revelation about uh, white people and the use of washcloths, and I, I guess it's like a real debate. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, on on set, I was, I, I didn't have to act much as the character because I was really discovering it in real time, and since then I have. Uh, started washing my legs. So, clean legs. But now he doesn't wash anything. Anymore. <laughs> There's only so much soap in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I asked that question. Um, <laughs> This lady listened to her. Uh, Chloe's deals with, as I mentioned earlier, having his dad, his body is tight this, this season. Uh, what's going on? Are you going to be in a Marvel movie? Uh, what have you been to situation for the role? Uh, I mean, I just, I just wanted to, I just wanted to get it. No, you know, the pandemic happened. I didn't know what was going on, right? The whole world shut down. So, I was getting ready for the zombies. Like, I didn't... <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was proud of everything. I turned into a white dude named Jim in Mississippi. Like, I was, <laughs> I was ready for action. So, when season two happened, I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to show you some abs Yeah! <laughs> I'd have to fight those zombies, so now y'all get this work. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. Um, <laughs> Keith Knight. Um, is, is it still surreal? Sort of, like, it's you, and then there's your alter ego, Keith. Um, yeah, what's that been like? And what have you? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, you know, it's weird and it's not. Like I've been doing comics, autobiographical comics for 25, 30 years, and there's a character in the comic named after me. And 
it's me, but it's not me. And this is just another manifestation of that, which is, you know, the character is me, but it's not me. And um, it's really, it, it's, it took a while to get used to talking about Keith and, and, and myself in, this, in a separate way, but um, it's, it's just amazing to, as a cartoonist, since it's a, such a solitary job that you work by yourself all the time and you're in control of everything, to then suddenly work in this environment where hundreds of people are working and collaborating and they're taking ideas that we all have and making it so much more elaborate, so much like, I love when, when, when someone comes up with a joke and they elaborate on it and, and, and we fill it out and do a scene and, and then the actors get it and then they make it even better and the sets and the director and the music and everything, just, it's, it's amazing. It's like, I, I just watching it with the audience, uh, and and I think that's the piece that I missed so much. Was just sit, you know, I came out here and just sat behind people, and hearing people laugh at the jokes. That's that's there's nothing better than that. It's it amazing. It's an amazing experience. I love it. Is there anything for me? Yeah. Is there anything from your real life that made it into season two, or stuff that you wanted to? There, there. I mean, I can't really. I, I've been in rooms. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really do it in a way, but sort of navigating sort of that that sort of companies that are uh, you know trying to commodify wool. Um, I've had those experiences, and the 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 incident. In the, in the finale is based on something that that went down with me overseas, um, and I can't give it away because you know no one's seen it. But right. um, a, a lot of the stuff is based in reality and then twisted off into absurd absurd ways. So it's um, it's and it, it's so funny because even the stuff that I thought we made up was based on something real. Anthony just shared. Uh, again, we can't give anything away, I'm sorry, but uh, it's actually, yeah, he, he showed us an article about a company that was, I just can't, you gotta watch it, you gotta watch it, and we'll find it. Yeah, so we'll the show's called Woke. I can't get it. <laughs> all of this stuff is based in reality. The reason why the show works, I think, especially with a lot of the more absurd stuff, is you sit there and go, "Is this real? That sounds real." You know, that, like that's yeah. it. It's 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 grounded in reality. That's that's a very important thing. Well, I'll, I'll give an example. We this is not too much of a spoiler. At some point in the season, uh, you know, Keith is is in his activism and he gives himself an award for black excellence. Uh, and when we went to try to clear the name of the award show, it already existed. Uh, we had to change the name. So it's like every time we try to be absurd, we would find reality had I love that. And if anybody wants to throw me uh, an award banquet, <laughs> I'm not opposed to it. I'm not. I'll take the award. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I'll take the award. <laughs> you know. 
The Academy? For sure. No, I have a very wide speak. They want to Very <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate you all hanging around for this episode. I mean, like I said, we're trying to do something a little bit different in the middle episodes between A and B, so we'll be back next week with, well, expect to be back next week with normal books and whatnot, more interviews and Fun things from WonderCon and from Rhode Island Comic Con. Um, we also have a couple other interviews from there we haven't run for you guys, so neat stuff to listen to. Um, normally we do lesson of the day and I do, ha- I do have a lesson for you guys. Um, as, as a real thing, if, if you have pets or animals, fur babies in your life, acupuncture and chiropractic care can go miles with them. Um, especially for muscle injuries, even something you don't know they have because it can affect them so heavily. Uh, so my lesson from today is that that part of things is really, 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 really important because um, it can make the difference between a simple muscle spasm to problems with the, with the brain. And the difference between the two things is hard to tell as a person. Um, so that's like a real thing. Love your pets, love your animals, you know. Because they're better than people. Um, so there's that. Uh, as far as books to watch, I think it's going to be really awesome to start Crisis coming up. So DC Dark Crisis should be great. Uh, we got another listing for a new Berserker series. Not Berserker, Barbaric. A new miniseries for Barbaric. Uh, I showed up in the catalogs this week. And uh, even though they're doing the one shot in the middle, uh, we're going to have another miniseries happening afterwards. And we have Nathan Gooden back on for art. Still Michael Morisi, so if you guys have listened to the show lots, you will have heard both those guys talking here before. Uh, if you haven't checked out Barbaric, and you're into books that have a little more roughness to them, uh, it is fantastic. So good. Great series. I like it a lot. Um, I'd also say, check out uh, Immortal X-Men. Uh, it's shaping out to be a pretty cool series, and maybe we finally get a payoff for Mr. Sinister actually being Sinister. Because the guy's been around for a long time, and his name says it, but he's never really done a lot. I mean, he clones people, and that's like it. Uh, so, this thing is shaping up to be really cool. First issue's really wordy, but it's uh, it's got a cool payoff at the end. So, I'd say watch that guy, uh, Mortal X-Men. We're going to have a, I think it's issue four, has a Marilyn Monroe-style cover with uh, Emma Frost. It's fantastic. So, I'd say check that guy out. Um, as far as uh, series are concerned, all those things are great. Uh, yeah, that's all I got for you guys this episode. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it. Like I said, if you haven't seen Woke yet, give it a try. I mean, like I, I didn't know what to think of it when I first stumbled into it, and I really do enjoy it. I'm super hoping for a third season. So check it out, guys. Um, Till next time to key. That's not the right way to say that. Oh, something else that showed up. Oh, man. One more thing. So they're going to be doing a re-release of some Kamen Rider comics um, through Titan Comics. So if you guys ever wondered what that was about, you can t- ask your retailer to get it for you. Um, or check it out in the previous catalog because it's freaking awesome. Anyway, so that's it. Uh, 
Thanks for traveling and to key. Tiki. Tiki. Tiki.